0: Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado sermon of the week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Over the last couple of weeks we've been doing a series on grace, right? And amazing grace, and it's been awesome. And what's great about today's message is that it ties in very nicely to the grace series that we have been doing up until now, but we'll talk about that just now. So, in week 1, we will talk about God is love and we are naming this series Love Lives Year, meaning in this house, right? And wherever it is that the people of God goes, there the love moves with it. Yeah. Amen? So the problem with English, right? Beautiful a language as it is, and it is a beautiful language, I love English, is that it's very limited when it comes to certain words. So, like the word love. I love Namibia, I love Priscilla, I love pizza. I love rugby. I love music. No, you don't understand. I really, really, really love music, right? No, like really, really, right? But it's all the same word that we use, right? We say love. And we need to convey the message of our love in different ways and means. And oftentimes, it's through our actions that we really express our love in the way that it is that we sacrifice for the things that we love or the people that we love. Amen? But what's great is that the Bible was written or the New Testament was written in Greek. And in Greek, they are not as limited as we are in English. So in Greek, there are four different words or there are many different words for love or different types of love. But the common ones that we encounter a lot in the New Testament are these four. So it's eros, storge, philia, and agape. Eros is that erotic love, right? That's... You know, that French kind of love, right? That my knees are weak kind of love, right? The love between a man and a woman. A love between a husband and wife. Then there's a storge love, which is the familial love, which is a family type love. It's a love that a mom would have for a child or a sister will have for her brother. And then the next one is philia. And philia is a friendship or an affectionate kind of love. That's a love that you have for your friends. That's the love that you have. That's similar to David and Jonathan in the Bible. It says that David and Jonathan loved each other like brothers. So even though their family were fighting against each other, and even though Jonathan's dad wanted to kill David, and even though David was going to usurp Jonathan as a successor to his dad, that's a mess right there, they still loved one another, right? It's a brotherly kind of love. And then there's agape. The God kind of love or a selfless love. A love that seeks the best for someone else, even at the expense of myself. And that's the love that we want to talk about today. That's the God kind of love. And so in this month, this month of love, right, we've had Valentine's Day on Friday, right? And Valentine's Day brings up all kinds of emotions, right? Some of you are confused. This gentleman right here is looking at me like, what? Was that Friday? "Huh? Yes, sir. Valentine's Day was on Friday, last week. For those of you that missed it, especially the gents, uh, some of you are thinking, oh, thank goodness I dodged a bullet there, right? But it brings up all kinds of feelings, right? So how many of us are married? Married people in the folk? Uh, uh, oh, but you're in trouble. <laughs> uh? Okay, so married people, we had a great Friday evening, right? Right? And all the, the wives say, Amen. Oh, okay, cool, cool. And uh, and and how many of you are in a relationship, a committed relationship that's leading to marriage? Hmm? No, no, no. You you, you got to be certain about this, right? If you're in a relationship and it's not heading to marriage, you know, just just call time on it now, huh? Just end it right there. Let's not waste each other's time, huh? Okay. I'll say it again slowly. You're in a relationship that's heading towards marriage. Okay? Cool. So there's a few of us here. I'm sure you also had a great Friday evening. It was good. It was romantic. Right? You did your thing. Wonderful. Um, And then how many of you are single? (laughs) Don't be shy. It's okay. There's a single. All the single ladies. Oh, the single ladies, right? Okay, so I hope you guys aren't going to catch feelings. I hope you're not going to catch feelings, okay? Well, let's play the clip. Let's play the clip and then you can decide if you want to leave. So let's play that clip. Who's seen this clip? I love this clip. Come, let's play it. Put up the volume. Lots of volume and play the clip. Are you single on Valentine's Day? Well, this rhythm is for you. Is it there? Doesn't want to play? Okay. Okay, cool. Valentine's! Valentine is coming, Valentine is coming, Valentine is coming, where's your boyfriend? Where's your boyfriend? I see the married people are laughing the loudest, eh? Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Maybe that, maybe that was some bad taste. Please forgive me. Hey, eh? Please forgive me. Okay. We'll pray for you afterwards, after the, the service. There'll be ministry time here in front. You can come and spend time. But you know what? Paul says, Paul says, I wish that all of you were single. Hey, eh? Because then you could be sold out like I am for the kingdom, right? Right. So please don't, don't hate your singleness. People make fun of you. You get those questions all the time. It's a, how old are you? <laughs> when are you going to get married? You know, those ovaries, they expire. Huh? <laughs> hey, Are you getting those questions? You know what? Don't worry about it. We love you. There is love in this house. Right? So please, we love our single people. Sorry, I thought I'd just, I'll lighten it up a little bit, right? So, hey, you're not feeling that? <laughs> So, how many of you have an idea of what romance is? Hmm? You've got an idea of romance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh well, he nodded his head first. Alessia. So yeah. No, no, it was you. You nodded. <laughs> <okay>. Romance. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Okay. 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 Pastor did alright. What is romance? Candles and chocolate. Candles and chocolate. Oh, I love that. Come on, come on. You know you want to, (laughs) huh? What's romance? Hey yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen to that very very white voice, huh? <laughs> hey, you're gonna love that baritone. You're gonna love that baritone to the newly married man, huh? What is romance? Um, All <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, so I would say romance is um, expressing the love not in mm. to be, to one
1: way but in
0: many ways in which you know it's gonna turn or stir the heart of your Hey. I love how he looked at his wife there like, baby, you know I do this, right? Mm. Cool, man. So now I've been married for 11 years. Um, and I've been with Priscilla for 14 years, right? So dated for three years, together 14 years. And in all of that time, I'd like to put to you a definition that I've experienced, all right, in my relationship. It's not the definition, But for me, romance, or what I've observed romance to be, is that romance is when it is that I am especially thoughtful and I have an element of surprise. Right? When I combine those two, it's like, bam, woke up! (laughs) (laughs) Goal! (laughs) Okay, let's not get carried away. Let's not get carried away. Keep it PG, PG, PG. Right? So, it needs to... Have those two elements, right? And um, okay, so gents, I'm going to give you guys this for free. Okay, so you, are you are you taking notes? Uh, number one, it needs to be thoughtful. Number two, it needs to have an element of surprise attached to it, right? Um, so, for instance, maybe something is bothering her, right? Or maybe something is lacking, and then you fulfill that, right? So, for instance, um, maybe she's hungry, and she's angry, right? <laughs> A little snack. It costs you about $10, $15, you know, and you slip it in somewhere where she didn't expect it, and she, she finds this thing, and oh, how amazing. This morning, Pastor Hilma talked about how romantic uh, Mark is. You know, every once in a while, she walks into the kitchen, and he's like, oh, the dishes have been washed. <laughs> yeah, you know. I love that. Come on, Mark. Come on, Mark. Huh? Bam, bam, huh? <laughs> Thoughtful and unexpected, huh? <laughs> Surprise. Huh? <laughs> I love it. Mark, me, me and you, we like, but we're operating on the same level. I'm right there with you, right? I'm right there. Um, or for instance, maybe her gym clothes are looking a bit worn and tired, right? And it's a bit like stretched out and stuff. So what you do is you give her a new kit, right? Important gents. Make sure it's the right size, okay? Please. <laughs> you don't want to have a relationship-limiting move there. If she's a size 10, don't be buying size fourteens, okay? <laughs> right? So it's thoughtful and it's surprising, right? And I mean, surprising can also be like exciting, right? Like whisking her away on a weekend away, right? Packing her bag for her, putting it in the boot, and telling her, babe, we're going somewhere. Right? And she doesn't know where it is that we're going. Amen. Come on. Come on now. Am I preaching? <laughs> but I want to show you that God is the ultimate romantic. Okay, So it says in Psalms 139 verse 16, God is thoughtful. Psalms 139 verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven something that we're all very familiar with, says, I, I know the plans I have for you. Go back. Says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Go back. Go back. Yeah. God is also surprising. Romans 5, verse 7 to 8 says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is surprising. So, now we can go to that one, yeah. So about a year ago, I showed you guys this graphic, right? So some of you will remember it, right? And this, I keep coming back to it. It's like, I can't get over it. It's just, it's too romantic, And I'll explain to you why it's romantic. This graphic expresses God's love for us. It's his love letter to us. It's the way that he um, showed us in an embarrassingly romantic manner that he affectionately cares for us. So what this depicts right here is this is a graphic of the Bible. So that's the Bible. And at the bottom, the white bars. Those are chapters in the Bible. So each bar represents a chapter in the Bible. So that long one right there, what's that? Well done, Pastor Chris. (laughs) Right? So that's Psalms 119, right? So, and all the connections, those are references. So that's the end of the book referencing the beginning of the book. The beginning of the book referencing the middle. And you can see how all of it is interlinked. And what does that show you? That's very thoughtful, right? This is something that was written over thousands of years and it shows that God was thinking about you right from the beginning. Right from the beginning he was writing his love letter to you and telling you, listen here, I know things don't look good, I know things aren't exactly as I planned it to be, I know you messed up but I've got a plan, I'm figuring it out, don't worry I've got this. That is God's embarrassingly romantic love letter to us and it says in the word that the the angels can't understand it It says in first Peter that the angels wish they could see into the mystery of this God that loves these people these ones this Chris really this Malcolm really that Garyon right there that guy that's the one that God loves and that's the one that he's pursuing right So God has a love for you that predates your birth. And it extends into the future past your unborn children. That is the love that God has for you. So who is God? In 1 John 4 verse 16, and I want to encourage all of you to please spend time, meditate in 1 John 4 during this week. So we're preaching now, but chew over this, okay? Because 1 John 4 is a beautiful, beautiful chapter. And it says, God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. God is the very definition of love. He's the personification of love. The word says that out of love, God created the earth. And here's a little bit of apologetics for you. What's beautiful about God is that outside of us, he is love, right? Right? And he understands love because between the triune, between the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there is love. There was always love. Because love needs an object. Love does not just exist in a vacuum. Love needs an object to express itself towards, right? And so that's why self-love, yeah, it's okay, right? It's not that great. Right? The world has psychologized a whole bunch of stuff, and we're not going to get into that. But, but God... Loved within the triune. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were in perfect communion. Just loving each other. They couldn't get enough of each other. There was no fighting or bickering. There was no turmoil or wrestling for or jockeying for position. And out of that communion, they created the world. God does not need you for his love. He is love. But the amazing thing about him is that he creates this world out of his love, his perfect love, and says, I want to show you this love, and I want to be with you, and I want to spend time with you, and I want to reflect what it is that I am already onto you so that you can experience that. God doesn't just love us. He is love himself. He's the essence of love. And the thing is that if you want to understand something, what do you do? You go back to the manual. You've heard that from the pulpit many times before. If you want to understand the purpose of something, you go to the manufacturer. You ask the manufacturer, what is it that this particular thing was designed to do? And that's the same thing for us. If you want to understand the person sitting next to you, that one that frustrates you, your spouse, your child, whoever. If you want to understand yourself better, who is it that you go back to? You go back to your creator and you find out from him, who is he and why did he create me? So what kind of love does God express on us? The agape love. And the agape love is a selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love. It is the love that says that despite who you are, and despite what you've done, and despite what you're going to do, I love you. It is not a love that says, if you do this, and if you jump this high, and if you perform like this, then I can give you some of my love. It is a love that exists outside of you and exists outside of what it is that you do. It is a love that exists because he is. He is love. God does not love us because we are beautiful. He does not love us because we are amazing and because we do what it is that tickles his fancy. God just is love. The way that gravity exists, God is love. And you can climb on top of this roof and jump off and scream, I believe I can fly, and gravity will let you know. <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> In the same way, God is love. It's a fact of the, of the world. And it doesn't matter what it is that you've experienced and what you've gone through and what your experience of God might be. God is love. Yeah. It is a fact. So let's unpack that a little bit more in this scripture verse. And I love this because it really sets it up nicely because it's a layup from amazing grace that we did. Remember, we covered what justification is. So let's read in Romans 5, verse 1 to 5. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Justified means we are in right standing with God as if we have never sinned before. We have peace with God through our love, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained Access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance. Read it with me now. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And there's a whole message right there, right? Like in that, rejoicing our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And that hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Now, I can explain to you in an intellectual ma- like manner, what God's love means, right? I I can show you the scripture verses. I can point to it. I can tell you, look, this and this, and I can lay out the the, um, apologetics, like argument for what it is that love is and who God is. And intellectually, you can get it, right? Intellectually, you can understand it. And if you know anything about me, that is where I love to be, right? It's just in the intellectual and the reasoning, right? And in the trying to work it out. But what it says here, it says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There is no intellect involved in that. That is an experience. That is an experience. And the issue here is that you need to have that experience. You have to. I can give you the intellectual argument and we can have a reasonable debate about what love is and how it is that you should accept God's love But if you do not experience God's love, then when reason and rationality leave, when there is no more reason for why it is that you are going through what it is that you are going through, when you are in suffering, when you are going through pain, when you are sick, when the diagnosis is death, when loved ones around you are no more, then intellect is not a foundation that you can stand on. It's in those moments that you had better know that God's love has been poured out into your heart because at that point, intellect and rationality have flown out the door. Yeah. And you cannot find a reason for why it is that you are going through the pain that it is that you're going through. At that point, you need to have experienced God's love. And I have experienced God's love. And As much as I love the intellectual exercise of trying to work out, you know, the reasons for why it is that I am the way that I am, and why it is that God is the way that he is, when I've gone through severe storms, in those moments, like, there is nothing that my intellect could help. It's in those moments where all I could rely on was my experience with God and saying, Lord, despite everything that's going on right now, even though... I want to crawl up in a ball and die. Even though it feels like I am dying. Lord, I know that you are real and I know that your love exists because I have felt it. I know it. I've experienced it. And every single one of us need to seek that out. Number two, we love because he first loved. One John four verse nine says, "This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him." This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God made the first move. Hey, ladies? Don't you just love that? Huh? He made the first move. He's not slow. Like some of the brothers, huh? <laughs> he stepped out there and he made that move. Even though it is that you don't deserve that move, right? Even though it is that, that you don't reach out to him. Even though you've changed your number and blocked his... <laughs> even though he's constantly pursuing you and asking you for on a coffee date and saying, listen here, yeah, just spend some time with me, that's all I want, right? Even though you keep shifting the goalposts, Lord, if you love me, then you would do this. And if you love me, then this is how you'll behave. No, God makes the first move and he's always there and he's already done what he needs to do. If you feel far from God, it's not God that's moved. It's you. You are the one that has moved, not God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not fickle. He is no man. He does not, he's not here today, gone tomorrow. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He has done everything that needs to be done. The only thing that is required is that you love him back. He made the first move. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us. In this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God does not require you to become a Christian first and then he loves you. No, while you were his enemy, he loved you. While you were his enemy, he was penning that love letter to you and stitching it together. And gentlemen, you need love as well, okay? This is not some soft, fuzzy, romantic thing that's just for the ladies, right? Every single one of us need to have that acceptance, need to know that it is that I belong, that I am loved. It doesn't matter what it is that I've done in my past or anything that I'm going to do in the future, that I am accepted just the way that I am. Number three. There is no fear in love. 1 John 4 verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment. The one who fears has not been perfected in love. The problem is that so often we conflate human emotions with God. So often we conflate our pain and our suffering and what it is that we've been through in the past because maybe love for you is somebody that has abused you. Maybe love for you is somebody that has used you. Maybe love for you is um, punishment because you messed up. Maybe love treated you in a way that wasn't fair. Maybe love hurt you when all you needed was acceptance. Maybe love for you is an abusive father, an absent mother. Maybe love to you is somebody that left you at the altar, that made a promise to you and then broke that promise. Maybe love for you is, is all the ugly things that it is that people do to one another. But I want to say to you that that is not who God is that is not who Jesus is perfect love drives out fear so if you have put up barriers in your life because you feel like love is something that is weak because love has let me down and love keeps disappointing me over and over and over again love doesn't live up to its promises if that is you then what it is that you do is you put up barriers because you're like I don't need love love is weak Love is weak. Love doesn't love me, right? You've heard those songs before, right? (laughs) Love don't love me, right? So you put up your barriers and you've protected yourself and you are this hard shell of buffness, right? You're strong. You don't need anybody. You don't need anybody's affection. You don't need anybody's uh, poo-poos, right? They're theirs. You don't need any of that, right? Because you're stronger than that. You're stronger than love. But the fact is that love is the strongest thing in this world because who is love? God is love. God is love. And he is the strongest, most amazing force in this whole universe. He created this world out of love. That is who he is. And so when you've messed up and you've done something wrong, and maybe you've done it recently, maybe you're sitting there and you're ashamed of yourself and thinking to yourself, should know better than this by now right like I shouldn't be here anymore like I shouldn't be making these kinds of mistakes over and over again maybe there's some deep dark secret right that you've hidden away that you've pressed down that you've suppressed that you say like Lord I love you and I'll love you up until this point right like no further than this because love to you is what love has done in the past and that is love has exposed you You've stepped out in faith in what is love done. It's disappointed you. It has failed you. But God doesn't want to expose you. Remember what I said earlier? God is the manufacturer. He's the one that created you. So from that point of view, He's the one that knows what's best for you. So if He's scratching at those things that you don't want scratched, right? Those deep, dark things, those things that you've suppressed and that you've hidden away, know that you can trust Him. Know that You don't need to operate in fear any longer, but you can operate in love, in perfect love, which drives out all fear. Number four is that nothing can separate us from God's love. Romans 8, verse 38 to 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor principalities, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The only thing that can separate you from God is is you. The only thing that can separate you from God is you. What this is expressing right here, this is called a covenant love. It's a covenant relationship. So, contrast that to a contract. What is a contract? A contract is something that you enter into between two individuals, or two companies, or two entities, and you say, these are the performance criteria. Okay? You do this, I'll do that. And at the end of that contract, or if in the middle of this relationship, for whatever reason, there's non-compliance with the contract, non-performance, then Null and void. It's fine. You step away, I step away, and it's good. It's, it's kind of the way that the world has defined marriage. right? Marriage these days is, is more contract than covenant. Even though God set it up as a covenant relationship. In the world today, if you do not perform as my wife via X, Y, Z criteria that we've established at the beginning, then it means that at a particular point in the future, I can exit There's an exit clause, right? You did what? You picked up 20 kilograms. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) That's not the woman I married. I don't even know you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a contract. It's a covenant. And a covenant means that it doesn't matter what you do. I hold up my end. And that's what God does with us. He says that it doesn't matter what it is that you do. I have done everything that needs to be done and I will stick to my end of the bargain. You can step away. You can leave. You can forsake me. You can disregard what it is that I've done for you. You can step away from this, but I will still stand here making a fool of myself for you. That is who God is and that is what it is that he enters into with us. A covenant relationship. Number five. Love is the greatest commandment. If you understand who it is that God is, that he is love, that his very essence is love, and that all that he wants from us is to enter into relationship with him so that he can love us and we love him. Then this is the outworking of that. Mark twelve, verse thirty to thirty-one says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Jesus is saying this to a culture that is obsessed with legalism, that is obsessed with contracts, that is obsessed with performance criteria A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And if you do one thing wrong, then you've messed up and so therefore it means that there's a disclaimer and then you have to Cleanse yourself and wash your hands and do this ritual and exit the town and be in separation and isolation until it is that you have performed accurately. Then you can come back in to communion again. So this is what Jesus is speaking to at the time. So what he's saying here is he's saying you can hang all of that up. It is all futile. You can hang it all on these two. All you need to do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And I've said this before on this stage, right? That there's an up and a down. There's an up and a down relationship. And that is between us and our creator. And it is out of that relationship, that love relationship with him, that we set up what is right, what is wrong. How to behave, how it is that he manufactured us, how he made us, how he... He shaped us in our mother's womb. Once we've established that relationship, then everything else flows out of it. Then I can, I can act with love towards my brother, towards my sister, towards my wife, towards my kids, towards my enemies. Then I can love this spiritual family, you weird bunch of people sitting right here, right? You can love me too, Right? only once we have that once we have that relationship set up then we can love anybody and everybody doesn't matter what they do to us doesn't matter how you hurt us doesn't matter what you throw at us god says by the jesus says by the way that you love one another the world will know that you are my disciples so out of that relationship with god we then love one another And then other people outside cannot help but clamour into this house. Cannot help but want to come and hang out with us and be like, what is it that's so different about those people? That even those that swear at them, that spit on them, that offend them, that they turn around and act with love towards them. And then we can be, as Paul says in Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 19, for this reason... What is the breadth and length and height and depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You are messed up. You've had a broken past. You've had bad things done to you. You have been the victim. You have been wronged. And I don't take any of that away from you. But if you are rooted and grounded in love, then you can know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Then despite what it is that your natural experience has been, despite what your natural experience has been, that people tell you you need psychological help for that, right? No, like you really need help for that. That's really bad, right? Despite the fact that we know that that has happened to you. You can still know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And if you know that, then you can be rooted and grounded in love. You can love because you know love. Because love is God. You know God. And therefore, you can love. I do not love you because I'm amazing. No. I love you because I know who my Creator is and He loves me. And therefore, I can act in love towards you even when you're a jerk, even when you mess up, even when you do what you say you weren't going to do, even when you break your promise, I can love you. So we choose to walk in love. We choose to walk in love because of who it is that we know God is. When we choose to walk in love, we have the power of God in our lives. So we can walk around here like none of it matters, right? Knowing that we are not of this earth, knowing that we are aliens, right? That we're ambassadors of Christ that will one day be with him in eternity. And so therefore, this momentary, fleeting pain and suffering that it is that we're going through is meaningless in the contrast of who it is that God is and what it is that he's done for us. Paul could say in every circumstance that he is loved. Whether he was shipwrecked, whether he was sitting in prison, whether he had food in his belly or not, whether people were treating him fairly or looking down upon him. He could say in all circumstances, I know that I am loved. I know my Redeemer lives. And that is who we are. And that is why love lives here. Amen? Amen. Amen amen so with that sit down uh, like and let's close our eyes and um, and I want you to think about the pain and I want you to think about the suffering if that is what you're sitting here with if you're sitting here with pain and with heartache and with suffering and with things that are holding you down that are anchoring you to this earth that you feel like you cannot lift your head up that you cannot accept a single word of what it is that i'm saying because your experience has been so far removed from what it is that i've been describing if that is you i want you to lift your hand and i want you to to trust god that he will heal you and that he will pour out his love in you Lord Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, that, that you love us despite what it is that we've been through, Lord God. Lord, thank you that you love us even though we've messed up, even though we keep rejecting you, Lord God, even though we keep running away from you, Lord God, even though we keep, even though we keep messing up, Lord God. We know that you love us and we know, Lord God, that you want to heal what it is that we have done to ourselves. You want to heal what it is that others have done to us, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, I pray that, that your love will be poured out in every single heart here tonight, Lord God. Every heart that is broken, Lord God. Every heart that does not feel loved, Lord God. I pray that there will be the supernatural outpouring, Lord God, in their hearts, Lord. That they will walk out of this house, Lord, different. That they will know that there is one true God and he smiles on me that He chose that I should be born into this world, not so that He could smite me or that He could hurt me, but that He could have relationship with me. Lord, I pray that we would accept that love, Lord God. And I pray that that love would be an experience that every individual, every Christian, every believer in this house will feel, Lord God. Because the tough times will come, Lord God. The storms will come, Lord God, and that is when our foundations will be tested, Lord God. And it's in moments like this, Lord God, that we know, 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 Lord God, that you are real and that you want what's best for us. Thank you, Lord God, for healing, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for, for a removal, Lord God, of all the pain and all the suffering, Lord God. We do not deny what has happened to us, Lord God, but we do not need to live in that suffering any longer, Lord God. We do not deny, Lord God, that we have been hurt, but we can move on knowing, Lord God, that knowing your love is so much greater than any suffering, any pain that we've been through. It says that we have a high priest who can empathize, Lord, with our sufferings because he went through them himself. He was rejected. He was abused, Lord God. You were abused, Lord Jesus, for my sake. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you are here this evening and you do not know God, you do not know what it means to, have a relationship with god If that is a foreign idea to you is that something that that you would want i want you to know that god is inviting you to have relationship with him but it requires you to acknowledge him and to say that yes lord i want to have a relationship with you and if that is you tonight i want you to raise your hand Anybody here tonight that wants to have a relationship with God that does not have a relationship with God, I want you to raise your hand. Everybody is in relationship with God. So That's awesome. Lord, I thank you for this house. I thank you for your people, Lord God. I pray a blessing over your people. Lord, that this week that we would operate in love, Lord, that we would know that we can trust you, That we would step out, Lord, boldly knowing that who it is that we have at our back and in our hearts and that goes before us. Lord, I pray for opportunities this week for every believer, Lord. Opportunities, Lord God, to love others. To express the love, Lord, that you've poured out on us in this broken world. Lord. Lord, I pray that this house would be a house of love, that love would live here and that others would be drawn to this house, Lord God, because of who your people are and because of the way that we love one another. Lord, I thank you for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit